So we were jumping into episode one now? I'm Steve. Now I'm Dolly, and this is Withdrawn. The podcast where two boring librarians make libraries less boring. What are we talking about today, Dolly? Uh, today, we are having our first episode of season one of Withdrawn. Uh, season one subtitled My Brilliant Library Career, and episode one, Origin Stories. How do people become librarians? How did you become a librarian, Dolly? We covered this in our, we did an interview on my other podcast, Circulating Ideas, where you covered this a little bit. But can you give me the elevator pitch of how you became a librarian? The elevator pitch of uh, librarianship? Uh, you know, I was working in the film industry in a capacity I did not feel fulfilled in. And um, I think librarianship really combined a lot of my interests and passions of very strong calling towards public service. And uh, I, I love research. I love information. I love trivia, you may say. And I think that uh, the best thing about librarianship is it can kind of combine all those things, or at least my version of it has combined all those things. And it uh, really allowed me to uh, be more myself. And, and what about you, Steve? What was your origin story? Well, if you go back, actually, what it's funny what gotten me involved um, online. Originally, I was just starting to get into social media stuff, and I um, was part of uh, Leah White did a project when she was still in library school, which was a long time ago. Sorry, Leah, I don't mean to say you're old. She no, she's a shiny, <coughs> shiny, shiny penny. She's very good. She is. So this was about four or five years ago, she did a project where she had people come on and write about various things to do with the librarianship. And I decided to write something about how I became a librarian. And my first line in that was, I am a librarian because my wife told me to. And <laughs> <laughs> the reasoning behind that is really, I was working in bookstores. I loved working in bookstores at the time. But then when I moved up to the Atlanta area to be with my then fiance, we quickly realized that doesn't. there's no money in working in retail bookstores, and I did not want to move to New York, where it's the only other place in publishing where you can make a living. Possibly Los Angeles, but we were not going to move across the country to you hippies over there in California. No. No, no. We don't have enough water for it. <laughs> but anyway, so, so I, she was going to a university here, and she saw a job opening at the library on campus and said, why don't you come apply for this job because – and we can have lunch together when I'm in between classes and you're on your lunch. And so I did that. And I really just got to like um, – I, I realized it was um, sort of hitting the same things I was sort of liking about bookstores, which is helping people find information. But in bookstores, obviously, you're finding the information in order to sell them something. But um, it was much, obviously much more fulfilling in a library setting. So I did that for a long time at that college. Um, I started that job. I got my degree while I was at that job, at that job. <clears throat> and then eventually I decided um, to become a public librarian because that really fit back from the bookstore days of working with the public directly. I mean, I, I, I mean, no offense to academic librarians, but that's not where my brain is to work with students. I really want to work one on one with my community. So that's really where I came from. Whoa, that's awesome. 
And also recently, the Ferguson Library, which runs a fantastic uh, Twitter, the Ferguson Library in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, uh, They are at F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y. Asked people's library origin stories, and they they got a lot of just great stuff back. you know, my library story bounced around from job to job, kept coming back to libraries, and finally decided to embrace my destiny. That's so cool. Well, um, there, there seems to be a lot of that in librarians that the people feel. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's like a calling to people. <laughs> yeah, well, here you go. Uh, a friend opened his mail and said, hey, I got into library school. I said, is that a thing? Can I do that? Oh, I love that. That's so great. Um, <laughs> I love all of them. That's, I think that's. this is one of those weird... Not weird, but one of those professions where you do find a lot of different origin stories and uh, a lot of different people discovering their own career path. Make your own career path. Mm. Yeah, well, and it often seems to be a later career path for a lot of people. Not not, not a lot of people seem to come into it. Maybe there's a little bit more of that now, but people don't usually finish an undergrad degree and go straight into library school and straight into the profession. I hear that a lot, that it's people have gone off into another career and then kind of come back later. I mean, even both of us have just said in our stories that we did something else first and then we came into it. I think I hear that story a lot. Yeah. And there's also sort of a lot of sense. um, Unfortunately, I think due to budget cuts and stuff, this doesn't happen as much, but a lot of sense of people saying, I was at the library so much, they said, why don't you work here? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I, I think that happens a lot to students and stuff, too. That you can that happened to me in my middle school. It was like, you seem to have an interest in things. Why don't you shelve some stuff for us? And, that, and it's one of those rare sort of uh, fields where you can kind of allow people to you know say, hey, we do we do have a gig for you if you're curious about how this works. You can you can come in. Um, yeah, I, I loved my library growing up. I don't know that I ever thought of working in one. I mean, I you know when I went and got all the Wizard of Oz books and read those, and then in middle school at school library, I remember really clearly. In high school, I remember very clearly, but I don't know that I ever remember wanting to work there. <laughs> I was really fast. I still remember they had um, they had just barcoded my middle school library, and they had one of those pen scanners, the pen barcode mm-hmm. scanner. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. Yeah, my high school library got a uh, some kind of computer program that you could attach, you could edit. It was like really basic, obviously back back then because I'm a dinosaur and. <laughs> video editing software you can make like titles for like a movie and stuff and so a project that we don't need to go into this rabbit hole here but when my friends and i made movies when we were in high school and one of the things that we did for a school project is we made a movie about the history of batman because we're nerds sure like you do but, but we made a video and we were able to use that software in the library to make like credits and stuff and it was it was really cool and the early precursor to iMovie and stuff, I guess. But yeah, I, but yeah. I never. I, I guess that got in my head too that libraries are about technology too, and that's and this was back in the late eighties. So yeah, and the nascent the nascent maker stuff. Um, I you know this is probably probably a subsequent episode, but I I do think there's such a um, great role for libraries to play in this. M- maker movement and and i think the maker movement has kind of been associated with maybe like 3d printing and stuff but making anything making movies making your own book making 
making yeah 3d printing cute things or well and, and as people have pointed out um especially children's librarians have pointed out they've been quote unquote making for years they're just making yeah. felt they're making crafts they're things like that so i mean there's always been that spirit there we're just kind of moving it into technology now yeah, the dynamic. Um, well, the children's is where our bread is buttered, man. I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell, I can't tell you how many stories I have of, and and me too. You know, going to the library as a child yeah. is is one of those um, things, and and especially you hear us talking about school libraries. We're we're in this phase now in California where I think most of the public schools have closed their libraries and laid off their mm -hmm. school library technicians. And, um, and that's the trend sweeping the nation. Uh, and it's, it's very, very, um, it, it almost seems unreal to me that, 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 that they think that's a, a good idea. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like know. The, the kids shouldn't be allowed to be um, exposed to a library like a public library is amazing, but a school library is, you know, with a with a technician or a librarian who knows what they're doing and their collection decisions, it's yep. it's it's full of things. Those kids will never forget. Well, but, it's, impor it, it's important <laughs> to get them early. I remember um, in a really early episode of my um, other podcast, Circulating Ideas, I talked to Kate Sheehan. Uh, mm -hmm. Public librarian in uh, Connecticut, is that where she is? Um, sorry, Kate, if that's wrong. Um, but she talked about where we, we had this sort of same kind of discussion of hooking kids early on libraries and making them love libraries when they're kids so that when they grow up, they still want to support the library. And she, her example was that because she w when she was a kid, they went to McDonald's a lot. So she has this kind of thing in her head of just, you know, just, it's a comfort kind of food. Yeah. But she's a vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> but she said she can still get like that in her head a mcdonald's hamburger still just is is a draw to her she would never eat it because she's a vegetarian but it's just that that kind of it, it, it can just grab you if you do it as a kid and do it the right way it's all, you know one of my favorite things from psych class i think i got this in psych class in high school actually um the coca-cola red and somebody can actually look up this study and and tell me where i might be misremembering but the the coca-cola red when people see it um a lot of people, it's associated, it activates the part of the brain that's associated with happy memories. It's not, it's not the same red that those M&Ms are made out of, though, is it? No. <laughs> I believe it's its own, I believe the Coca-Cola red is its own Pantone color, so uh, that, that makes it triple legit. But, I mean, it is interesting how you can um, have something, mm -hmm. a, a hashtag brand or a, a place that is so associated with um, fondness that it actually triggers that part of the, the brain that, you know, is reserved for like memories of my parents right. and Coca-Cola, right. yeah. <laughs> Disneyland and Coca-Cola. Um, and so basically the library is... <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to addict you it's, it, yes get addicted the, the <laughs> library get addicted um, what was there anything else in that um ferguson library hashtag that, that you wanted to I share i am i'm i'll say one thing too for you know if there's anybody listening to this thinking about becoming a librarian and hopefully i can say this kind of the right way i i think not only is it important to have these school libraries and, and you know, obviously programs for children, um, 
but it's also important for us to have librarians with diverse backgrounds and diverse experiences um, yep. who are there for our patrons to see so that we can, because we're working with the public and even in, you know, even in academic libraries, you know, we get, I've heard um, some great stories from academic librarians who are able to reach out, say, to their um, students who are a first generation college because they, the librarian, has a similar background and um, and knows what they're they're dealing with. Um, all of that kind of, uh, <laughs> I guess, diversity is the word for it. Yeah, all of that kind of diversity just enriches yeah. the profession so so much. And um, and the more we can do that, the more you do get people addicted to the library who say, you know, this place has something for me. You know, this place has people who who get what I need. Well, you don't, um, I mean, you, you don't want to ever ever want have somebody to come into the library and not see themselves. Oh God! Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see what else did Ferguson have. Um, uh, Mom took us to the library in one town, fifteen miles away, and to the bookmobile in a second town, five miles away. Regularly, I love those memories. Ah. Well, uh, there, there's yeah. also the thing that um, people always say is the stereotype of you know why did you become a librarian? Because I love to read. <laughs> I, I mean that. <laughs> I hate reading. <laughs> I mean, no. discounting Dolly, but <laughs> reading. Well, you know, yeah, it's um, I love. I do love to read. I'm a big reader. It's harder for me with my current job than say at a job where I'm doing more active development of books that are fun to read. But uh, reading does play just a huge role in it. Um, yeah, no, and I've also less than most people think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's and I, and I always say if when I'm if you're on an interview panel and that's why somebody says they're says they're a librarian, then yeah, that's not really a good answer to why you became a librarian. No, <laughs> that can that might be a good starting point, but you need to uh, elaborate a little more than that. I mean, I do I I do think it's funny that even within the profession that we do put that much focus on reading because there's so many people who want to throw out the baby with the bathwater when they want to do this makerspace changeover <laughs> that they say that well now we're just just be makerspaces. It's like well. There's still a place for reading and books and all this. We've stuff got too. a lot of room in the, in the world, a lot of room in the cloud. Now you work Even in a law. Are- you work in a law library, so I don't know that there's a lot of reading of those dry texts. Not very often, but I do. I do wish people um, on Fridays, you know, who check out books, happy, happy, light reading. Um, well, but you know, the the problem is, uh, I think I talked about this a bit in our interview. Um, Although there's a popular conception that it's all online, a lot of the books you'd use as an attorney or representing yourself are very much under copyright, very, very expensive, and really difficult to get. So we're able to facilitate access. And that can be, although it's the same thing, you know, now with some popular books even, although there are a million different ways to get books, um, there's not a lot of ways to get them for free, uh, well, <laughs> for, for for free and and um, and with the um, sort of the the breadth that you can get at a public library or have access to at a public library. Right. Well, and that's the tricky thing too, is everybody says free, 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 but it's not free. It's just being you. You may not be paying for it at the moment, but you paid for it with your tax dollars. You paid for it with your membership fee. You paid for it with your tuition. 
tech. These so. things were all paid for. <laughs> Even all these da- all, all these databases that are on free to you, yes. or if you're like me with the rental charge uh, appended on it when you forget to bring it back. Right. Um. <laughs> but all I mean, and like and like with with law libraries, I mean your that Lexus Nexus pres- pres- prescription subscription. <laughs> Costs money, <laughs> so I mean, looking at all those cases ah, costs money. No. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it costs a little bit. So a little tiny bit, and you know, people do pay for our, our funding comes from filing fees, which means um, that that first amount you're supposed to pay when you file something um, in your civil case or your divorce or whatever. Uh, and and you're right, I, I do, I, I I tend to fall back on that sort of quote unquote trope. Of uh, of it's free, it's free because people love the word free. Yes. Um, but you do you do pay for it one way or another. The taxes, or if you're actively suing somebody, you've probably had to pay the filing fees, and um, and that means, in my opinion, that it's even more important that you use it. It's like it's like a gem membership. You <laughs> well, should definitely go. Yes. <laughs> and not just pay for it and not ever use it. What? Not get on the treadmill of reading. So would would you encourage people to become librarians still today? I you know for me it really depends on your level of experience cuz I see on the Ferguson library um feed a lot more people who became librarians and are I assume working in libraries because they had started somewhere and had a bit of library experience before they even went to library school and and that's that tends to me to be the better path, I think. Not better. I don't know. Not a, it's not an objective better. I, I just I think when you sort of know what you're getting into, um, it's more – it tends to have a better outcome than saying, oh, I guess I'd like this library thing. If you haven't volunteered or you haven't worked in one um, – then, then I think you find sort of the oh, well. I love to read, so I can be a librarian. Which right. is, you know, there's so little reading on the job. Um, you can have reading be part of your job, but not necessarily on the job. And especially if you don't have like a background in customer service or um, working with the public or public service, um, it's it's a difficult transition if you don't have that kind of background. That's the thing that gives me pause. If you're already working in a library, if you're already volunteering or part of it and you know what it what it's like especially for a specialized library or an academic if you already have that background then eh, why not why not Mine. take a shot but you know if you're thinking i don't really like being a um i, I don't know like a, a dinosaur hunter <laughs> you might not be prepared for the public <laughs> you might not you know you might not be prepared for students or you might not be prepared for whatever you're up against so um i, I if you have real world background in it those are the people i like but um and and worse worse becomes worse maybe you can get bitten by a radioactive librarian and that will give oh my you librarian God. powers and yes well it's I, I saw some of that librarian's tv series and i think the library picks you which god only in soviet russia library picks you <laughs> <laughs> just imagine man if the library was like we have chosen you you are the you are the chosen one um but at the end too you know like um if you have, I, I would especially encourage people with backgrounds in tech and stuff who are, there are roles for you. There are career paths for you in librarianship. If it's something you want to get into and maybe you haven't worked in the library, definitely recommend 
trying that out before you buy the library degree. <laughs> Try before you buy it. What, what about you? Like, do you recommend librarianship? Do you have a lot of... I, I do. I think you have to... You have to um, we'll talk a little more in the next episode about <laughs> library school, but yeah. um, you have to not believe the hype of the people retiring. You know, oh, there's going to be tons of people retiring soon. Yes, but then they, all the jobs are getting cut too, so... Yeah. Yes. Well, that's the well, and you do get a lot of people. Sorry, you do get a lot of people um, uh, who are unfortunately degreed in non-degreed positions. So that's another reality, is you yeah. know, and we'll talk about that in library school. But yeah, I, I, um, I, I was trying to cut you off so I could end the episode. Yeah, you know, good luck. But yeah, just good keep, luck. Just, just keep talking over me. That's all right. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to reverse uh, the gender trend. <laughs> Uh, you may notice on this season of withdrawal, I'll just be doing a lot of interrupting. <laughs> Not all women. Not hashtag hashtag all loathers. <laughs> Not all loathers. <laughs> it's actually about ethics and loather burianship. Withdrawn is a podcast lovingly handcrafted for you, the listener, by Steve Thomas in Georgia and Dolly Murley in California. You can find us on Twitter at Steve Librarian or at Loather, and the show is at Withdrawn Tweets. Music is by Nick Amron. Find us online at withdrawnpodcast.com and you can subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Next time on Withdrawn. You are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.